And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello there, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 393 of This Old Marketing for Friday, September 15th, 2023. And with me, as always, as he always is, my pal, my colleague, and a guy who's definitely having a better week than Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, Mr. Joe Polizzi. I'm having a great week. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, they are a, not. Those two are not oh, having we, a good yeah, week. Yeah, we should talk about that a little bit. But I, yeah. uh, this is one of the greatest opening football weeks. It's a good week. Of my life. Actually. It's a good week for both of us. There is no doubt about that. We both had dominating, dominating wins. Haven't seen a, haven't seen a, a Cleveland Browns opening, uh, home opener victory since uh, 2004, I believe. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, and and I, I'll bet it's even longer than that, where there was both a opening week victory for the Cowboys and the Browns. Well, yeah, you'd be. <laughs> I'm sure the Cowboys have won more. They haven't uh, actually. Opening. I mean, they're, they're they usually. It's almost foregone conclusion that they lose the opening game. They've gone zero and one. I think the last I don't know, five or six years. I'm not ready to say Super Bowl. Nah. Cowboys, <laughs> there you go. But, I'm already, yeah, yeah, it's already one more victory than I thought they were going to have. This there you year, go. So. I told you, man. I told you. I told the, you. The so. defense, the defense is, you know, what, what surprised me about the Cleveland Browns defense is they're fast. They're really, really quick. And yeah. they, for some reason, they are, they did really well at open field tackles and they don't usually do that. They usually right. like, like to miss the first couple. Yeah. Cause, you know, let somebody else get it. But uh, but they did they did really well with that <laughs> Nick Chubb tremendous game. Uh, I was in the we were so. There's the weird thing about Cleveland weather. I know you get weird weather sometimes in in L.A. But we got to the game, got there early enough for for all the festivities, and it's raining. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, they're little teeny raindrops. It's like fifteen percent of a raindrop the entire <laughs> okay. time. I live. Not sure how that works, but all right. I live like I'm, six I'm, I'm miles. <laughs> I live six miles from the stadium. It didn't rain once at my house. Yeah, it rained the entire. There was a cloud over the stadium the entire <laughs> time. Which the next day it was gorgeous weather, seventy-five and sunny. And I'm like, sure. I've almost said I wish it was this weather yesterday, but then I don't think we would have been as dominant because for some reason Joe Burrow can't throw a football in wet weather. Joe Burrow is Cincinnati. Of course. Bengals quarterback. I don't know what the deal was. I, I talked to my son afterwards. He was watching the game on television and said it was a big, like they were talking about Joe Burrow's hands and him changing gloves like three times. You watched it, right? Was he, were they bringing that up? Like, what's the deal? Uh, I did not watch. So I watched it through the red zone channel, which is, I know now we're getting really inside sort of football here, but I watched it through the red zone channel. So I don't see a lot of, I don't hear a lot of the commentary. I just see the, the plays. Um, and so I watched a lot of it through that. So I I didn't know what I noticed was pretty much all the games on the East coast, it was raining and all the quarterbacks were having struggles throwing the ball. Well, that's good for us because yeah. we just need to run the ball, play <laughs> exactly, defense, and it worked right. out well. Exactly. Anyways, 
it good was weekend. a great day yeah, in Cleveland. Good weekend, and then I yeah. watched I watched the night game. Uh oh, Dallas yeah. and, and the New York Giants, and that was a spanking. That yes. That's 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 the technical term for it. That is exactly it. It yes. was like you are watching an NFL team and then something else. Yes. I tweeted out that that basically the Giants should re- rename themselves X because then nobody will remember it and everybody will remember <laughs> it as Twitter. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You come up there all by yourself. I did That's come up with excellent. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you, we, your, your opening comment, the, the whole Mila Kunis Starner cats thing. Yeah. I know it's not a news story, but I did see that. And so basically uh, the sec is charging Mila Kunis's Stoner cats NFT project with what, what's the, what, uh, what what's going on there? I believe it's like actual like charges, like not, <laughs> not like you know oh slap on the wrist kind of thing it's like no serious it's it's a serious thing why doesn't um, the sec like stoner cats like what's up well yeah i think they don't like what's behind stoner cats is what is is more well, like it and i think so here i don't know what the charges necessarily are and i just yeah. saw the headline so of course i know nothing with this whole thing <laughs> but the ongoing problem here with what with the SEC and crypto in general is there's no legislation. No one knows what the rules are right now. And Congress can't get their act together for any legislation. And SEC is just going out there and they're just enforcing without nobody, anybody knowing anything. That's right. So so they're going out and they're saying all these companies are doing well, that's unregistered. That's unregistered. You can't do that. That's a security, whatever. What where what? We don't know. Nobody is telling us what they are. They've been approved for sale. They went. It's almost like the Coinbase thing where SEC approves it. Oh, yeah, you can be a, a publicly traded stock. And then they come <laughs> they come out with all these regulations afterwards that you can't sell these things. Well, you, you said it was OK here, but not, I don't know. Well, they didn't. Well, they never said it was OK. What they said was it, we don't there's we don't have a, a opinion on it. Right. One way or the other. Do. <clears throat> now they do in a big way. I mean, they got fined a million bucks, and basically the charges, the the scenario is, Stoner Cats was going to be an animated series, and it was kind of a way to crowdfund, if you will, the series itself. And so they raised a, apparently by selling the NFTs of the Stoner Cats, they raised eight million bucks. Um, and then the SEC went, mm, yeah, that's not, you didn't register that you were really selling securities in a, in a going venture. And that's not the same, right? It's, 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 it, and I think they probably picked on this because it's, if you think about it, what they really did was they launched a business, right? They launched a business and then launched up, you know, the ability to, to fund this new business, by selling the, uh, you know, by quote unquote selling shares, right? Um, which obviously were positioned more as NFTs of the characters. But uh, yeah, they, I mean, a million bucks later and 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 by the way, shutting it all down, right? They're going to shut it all down as well. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It, it, but you could, you could say the same thing that they were membership, they were tokens so you get membership so you could watch the show. Yeah, it's, almost, it's right. a, just a different way to do subscriptions. The yeah. only difference here is that it's on the blockchain and SEC doesn't like the blockchain. I'm sure. Well, I think I'm sure it, there was probably not a very clear delineation of that. Right. I don't I'm, I'm going to guess that, you know, because I didn't see the website or I didn't see the sales offer or anything like that. So it's hard to comment on it. But 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 I would guess that 
it wasn't positioned that way. It wasn't positioned as, hey, you're becoming a, fa a fan, a super fan of the show by supporting the show, you know, a la GoFundMe kind of thing. It was probably more positioned as own a piece of this show, right? And if, and that's a very different. I don't know. I don't know if that was the case. I mean, I remember when they launched the whole thing. Of course, we. Again, so I'm reading an article. Right. We're two so, people. We don't know right. anything. Well, here's just, I'm reading just, an article. I'm I'm okay. reading an article. See, it's right here on my screen. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, you're there, pointing. Right? People I'm, can't but, see you okay. pointing. All right. Well, but, some people can if they're watching this on YouTube. Right. Or LinkedIn. But. As part of its marketing strategy, Stoner Katz's team reportedly boasted about the highlights of owning one of its NFTs, including the option to resell it for a higher profit in the future. It also emphasized its ex expertise as Hollywood producers, its knowledge of crypto projects, and the well-known actors involved in the web series, leading investors to expect profits because of a successful wow. web series that could cause the resale value of the NFTs to become on of uh, more valuable in the secondary market, right? So it's, I mean, so it's a little, yeah. They they maybe a boo boo on the positioning there. Yeah, yeah. You Basically, yeah, there's there's some no no words. It's for pro the the for profit part of that is the is is, I, yeah, is when it's a security. Resell. There's nothing wrong with you can get <clears throat> right. take this and you can take this token and resell it. But once you start saying investor. And once right. you start saying or membership, you know, membership versus like, you know, secondary market. Right. I mean, yeah, in other words, are you creating a market or are you creating a membership? And and it's I mean, the words are important. Yeah. When did words become important? I don't know. Well, anyway, so that I mean, but you couple that with their public statement about Masterson. Right. You know, I don't know if you saw that news item as well, which also happened last week for them. Which was, you know, their oh Danny Masterson, yeah, yeah, and they came to, you know, which is an well, awful story. Really, that I mean, they were on the same show. That's not really part. Of, you're just basically breaking apart the members of that '70s show. Yes, but but I'm saying they had a bad week. They had oh, a bad yeah. week they, because they, they got yeah. they got called to the carpet for that for 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 basically coming to his defense and and all of that, which is oh, just they, bad they marketing. Sent, it's just isn't, bad. Isn't it's it bad. For, I thought what for the <clears throat> uh, for the trial didn't they send in like. Videos. Yeah, they sent in we basically really, he was a really yeah, nice character guy. witness. They were character witnesses, basically, where they said, you know, they sort of stood up for his character and said he was a, a good guy. And then it wasn't that it wasn't that necessarily. It was when they got the backlash from that, they kind of came back and went, yeah, well, we're sorry. Uh, we know how that kind of came across, you know, and blah, blah, blah. In other words, it, it, again, when we've talked about this on the show, that they didn't they didn't sort of stand up for what they said. They sort of they they sort of tried to weasel their way out of it and that's that's when you that's when you have a really bad week is when you start trying to weasel your way out of what it is you said because you you clearly either didn't you you're not standing up for it or b you're realizing that it's you 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 acknowledge that what you said was dumb or stupid or or, or inconsiderate and you're trying to you know you're trying to excuse it it's like go one way or the other yeah. you know you got to go all in if you're going to make those kind of statements well, they should learn from us because we own our <laughs> We absolutely we never do. we never weasel our way out of comments. Yeah, when somebody when like every once in a while, folks like we'll we'll get hit with a, you know, you said this or whatever. It's like, yeah, we did. We are yeah. stupid. Like Don't. we, yeah. Uh, why? And then I, we kind of throw it back on our listeners. It's like, why are you listening to us? Don't you have anything better? <laughs> this to is do? your fault. This is your <laughs> fault because you can't find anything better to do with your day than to listen to the uh, two idiots talk about something around marketing. Uh, 
that is right. That is right. That is right. Last thing I know, we have other stuff to get to. I had two emails this week from people and said, you're the, you're the, our favorite marketing slash football podcast. There it is. (laughs) There it is. That's what we, that's what happens in the fall. It's only for six months. Yeah. It's only, it's only really for six months. It's really just September through January. Really. If I could get you into premier league football, we could do it all year long. Yeah, that's not NFL, and then we could do Premier League. We could that's do probably not European happen. football. We could do American football. It'd be yeah. fun. That, that's probably not going to happen. I, no, I got to no. be honest. Well, you're, you know, you you won't you won't. Change. I follow it. I follow to it. a certain point yeah. that in your life, and you're like you don't want to change anymore. No, it's not that. It's like I follow it. I follow it. I follow it loosely. I follow it like, kind of like I follow baseball. Like when it gets to the playoffs, I, I watch baseball. Um, it's kind of like I, I watch basketball too. I watch basketball from the playoffs onward. I don't really watch it during the regular season. All right. Well, the so, Premier League has started. Yes, and, and our I team Arsenal is doing okay. Like we feel, we feel good about the year. Had some injuries. Not very right. happy about that, but I am more of a Browns fan. I have to. Yeah, I have to tell you that. So, yes. Do we have a? Uh, do we have a show to talk about today? We do. We do have a wonderful show here. Um, we're going to start with a very quick one, uh, which is going to we're, we're going to talk about Quibi. It's been a while since we've talked about Quibi. So get your shot glasses out and your alcohol, because there was a while where Quibi was a drinking game with us. But yeah, Quibi may be finally dead. And we'll talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the DOJ and the Google antitrust trial because that has uh, just opened. Um, it was NFL opening weekend and it was the DOJ's opening weekend. And so there's some fascinating things going on there. And once again, showing how little the government actually knows about how the Internet works. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about Kindle and Amazon and how they're ending Kindle periodicals. And there's Big some deal. interesting yeah. things to talk about there as content creators, as marketers with books, periodicals, magazines, and media. Um, And then if we get time, we'll talk about the fact that the Arena Group, and they own uh, Sports Illustrated, for example, has launched a creator network, uh, which seems to be all the rage these days, launching content creator networks. We we need a creator network. We do. We'll get a good – we should just launch one, launch a creator network. makes for a good press release anyway. If we – do we actually – we could just say we launched one, but we don't – We should. Do anything? We should. And we should launch – you know what we should do is then launch them all as NFTs, right? Launch each individual creator NFT, NFTs yeah. and say so yeah. you will absolutely lose money. Absolutely. In, in, in the metaverse with blockchain and all powered by generative AI. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll then get to a question from one of our audience members. Yeah. Thank you, Robert Riggs, for your wonderful question. We'll, uh, we'll yeah. get that out uh, that came in through the website. Uh, and then we'll get to rants and raves and we'll talk a little bit about I'm going to I'm going to. I'm going to rave a little, just a tiny little skosh about Apple's uh, announcement uh, and, uh, and what they what they talked about and how they sort of backed oh, that right. up. that's right. The new, the new iPhone is The out. new iPhones are out, yeah. The iPhone new iPhones 62. Are out. That's exactly, exactly. Made with uh, uh, titanium, is I think it, it is. is there, are you going to talk about this later? Is there anything new? There's not. Just... There's there's nothing new. There's no, there's 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 nothing new really. But the but the interesting thing was the the positioning of the announcement being so much focused on being uh, carbon neutral, um, and that's what I'm going to rave a little bit about is the content that they created to support that announcement. Um, and then I'm going to actually have some commentary on CAA, the big agency here in Hollywood, was acquired. Um, last week, and I have a thought on that, and has relates to content marketing. And then you Ooh. are going to rave 
about maybe the greatest sports throw in of Cleveland history of in all Cleveland time. History. You got to wait for it. <clears throat> yeah. Wait for gotta, it. Gotta, that's, that's just gotta a tease. Amazing. That's what they call a tease folks in, the, in the biz. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Great. yeah, a lot to get to, a lot to get to. So, so let's, let's get to our uh, first story. Load this uh, baby up here. Um, yeah. Boom. So this, uh, here we go. Quibi dies a final death. So if it was only mostly dead, said Miracle Max, well now <laughs> it's finally dead as Roku kills off many of its shows that it actually purchased. Um, this article coming to us courtesy of the very famous site, lowpass.cc, whatever the hell that is. <clears throat> and um, Is that like the, different from Easy Pass? Uh, is that, yeah, or High Pass or, or whatever. Yeah, or, yeah, something. Bounce Pass. They bounce Pass okay. or Long Bomb Pass. Um, some Quibi content is out uh, on the way out at Roku, says the article. Here's a service I didn't think I would have to write about anymore in 2023. But you did anyway, didn't you, author? You really just did. Quibi has been dead for three years now, or mostly dead. Uh, that's my edition. Uh, but much of its content has lived on as Roku Originals on the streamer's ad-supported Roku channel. Until now, that is. This week, Roku announced that it would lay off another 10% of its stack staff and remove select existed licensing and produced content from its Roku channel streaming services to cut costs, resulting in an impairment charge of up to $65 million. Roku didn't detail which titles it's removing, but I discovered that many of the titles the company had gotten its hands on as part of the Quibi content acquisition are already gone. Some of the titles missing are Reno 911, Reno 911 Defunded, Dummy, uh, Memory Hole, and a bunch of others with Will Arnett and some other, some other things. But basically, of, yeah, with a lot of, I can't believe the Joe Jonas travel coffee series got missed. Yeah, of course. That's, you know, that's, I can't. I would watch Joe Jonas, I mean, ha- drink have coffee. coffee. Yeah. That, he's got such a wonderful voice. He's so talented. He's. <laughs> Rare. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Uh, uh, I yeah. love the I yeah. love the Jonas Brothers, man. <laughs> so I, I mean, do you think this was I mean, look, I, I mean, this is we we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I do you think so what we've seen over the last few months anyway are streaming services and this is at the heart by the way of the writer strike, the actor strike, et cetera, which is residuals that are due based on streaming media. Is this just a way that Roku says, Hey, let's kill some of this stuff off. Cause we, you know, the question is always why, why are they, why are they removing shows from something that is streamed when it's basically just downloaded? It's not like you have to pay for it again, but maybe you yeah. do. Maybe there were residuals due to the artist as part of the deal right. of the Quibi yeah. content. And that's, that's, that, that may be why. And but to continue, that's the only well, reason I can them, think of. Well, some of them to, they were up to, you had to keep creating them for their episodic series. And they're like, hey, done with that. Joe, Joe, they said, Joe Jonas, you can stay home now. Uh, we don't. But was he continuing to make that show? I mean, was it I, was it current? I don't think it was current, was it? I mean, it was just, just older. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you know, because if there's one thing better than Joe Jonas Coffee Live, it is the reruns. Jonas. It's old Jonas. It's the classic. It's <laughs> the classic Joe Jonas. Jonas. Oh, Jonas, yeah. get your coffee. Yeah, seasons um, one and two were really the the high point of that that series. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's a, it's, okay. So. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things uh, bigger than the whole the whole Quibi conversation is there was a couple years ago that all these streaming networks, including your traditional networks and, and your HBOs and, and Disney's, were spending so much money on original content. They you'd never get the investment back. 
right. you can never That's sign true. enough subscribers to get this back. So yeah. we, as an industry, we were spending whatever it was, 10 times the amount that we'd ever get back. And of course, we use this all the time. 2023, they're now right-sizing into their proper businesses. So they're like, okay, we can't just spend like crazy, like it's 1999. We actually have to do... Uh, some diligent work and say, okay, what makes sense from the content I create and how much can I expect from a return? So there's that. And the other thing that I was thinking about is for some reason, it, when, you know, when you look at, this is any company, mm. when you look at the, the content that you're creating, you don't want the largest percentage going to content creation. You actually want it to be like 25 or 30% of your cost going to content creation. And the other 70 to 75% goes to things like marketing, promotion, and audience acquisition. So yeah, I think that's, that's where right. they're getting smart, where you've got Disney that's saying, I'm not going to fund these thousand shows. We're actually going to spend more money on audience acquisition so people can actually watch these shows and it makes more sense. So those are the two things that I thought about specifically with this whole Quibi thing that really doesn't mean anything outside of the fact that no, I can't believe that <clears throat> it actually was a thing and started in the first place. Yeah. Well, and, and it also brings to light, you know, it's another data point on the trend of the, uh, just to you exactly to your point, the trend in the, in, in, in our data point in the trend of the, where streaming media is right now on a content acquisition position, right? I mean, this is why, you know, hindsight being 20, I'm sure that both SAG and after, uh, SAG and WGA uh, would have, it would have been much better for them to strike two years ago when oh, yeah. things were red hot and, you know, and, and basically acquisition was at its hottest because it would have been a much, much more uh, incentive and leverage point for them to get a deal done. Uh, one coming out of COVID and the, then the heat around content acquisition and how much streaming networks were paying for that stuff. Um, and then two, because now they just don't have any leverage. They just don't, you know, they don't, the, yeah. the business is down, you know, and this is in many ways, the streaming networks are going, okay, cool. Yeah, we can take a break. You know, we're all good. So this is, it, it's, it's a challenge right now for them. And this is why I don't think the strike's getting, that's not getting solved anytime soon. Yeah. Just another data point that kind of goes with the exuberance that we had in, in 2021. I just sat down at breakfast with a friend of mine. He's He runs a VC. Mm. And he was saying that 2021 was really tough to get any, for what your money to get any kind of a percentage of ownership in the company. He said, today, the expectations of founders have come way, way down. And you can get a lot more for your money in 2023. So it's really good on the buy side. Uh, of that standpoint. So I think it goes along with, you know, 2021 probably probably would have solved that strike pretty quickly. Yeah. Right now, uh, it's actually the most of the power is, is with the, your, your, you know, the, the studios, if you will, because they could just sit. I think they could sit for a long, long time on this. I know they won't. They, they won't. They'll, they'll, I'm, I think they'll solve it early next year. I think I think we're you in think for January. You think January? I, I hear what I what I hear rumblings about is the mid January, right? Is it's definitely a, not going to be October, date. right? Because I heard no. the next meeting was October. It's not going to happen. So maybe yeah. January. Yeah, and it's not going to happen over the holidays. I can't imagine. So it'll you know because they've already got their plans, right? They've got their plans together for the fall. The everything's you know everything's set right as limited and or expansive as it may be depending on the network they've got their fall set already they had their fall set in the summer 
Um, and so now maybe there's a few episodes that they'll be short or there, you know, there's a movie, you know, for example, I hear, uh, what was the, what movie was it? It's literally, they were saying it's 95% done, right? But they can't actually go finish it. So it'll delay. It's probably Mission it's, Impossible too. Well, there's a lot of those, right? But but the... The, so the second part to the new Right. One. But the second key is, is that... The seventh or whatever. That's right. That's not delaying something that would happen in the fall. That's delaying something that would happen in January, February, or spring to now, late summer. So where you're going to feel this is not now. You're going to feel it this fall. You're going to feel it really pronounced from a consumer side in the spring, uh, in the spring spring of next year. That's when there's going to be like this, this just lack of content out there. It's, it's amazing. You don't think about all the people affected by this. There's, I I know through another friend, there's a lawyer who represents a pretty high profile actor, but there hasn't Mm. been anything to do for the past couple months. So they're looking for new work. Like you don't think about all the people like there's nothing happening right now. So people right. are just looking yeah. for whatever they can get. So I, hopefully for all those people involved, uh, some, well, there's people that are, some I mean, there's, there's all sorts of announcements here locally, you know, of actors and writers doing like weird little projects, right. You know, like making, you know, making an internet cooking thing or, you know, or selling recipe books or, you know, Podcasts. making quilts, right. Or podcasting, you know, that, that sort of thing. It's like, you know, it's there, there's a lot going on. I mean, and it gets, you know, it gets a little, obviously a little weird in terms of what they can and can't do, but yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. All your Moving friends on. in LA. Yeah. All, all my good friends in LA that are in the business. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. All right, let's get to our biggest story of the week here, which is as the DOJ's Google antitrust trial begins, uh, it here's what you know you need to know. And this article is coming to us courtesy of Digiday. Um, good article on what's going on and what happened this week as the sort of theatrics of the trial began. Uh, the article opens up by saying, three years after the U.S. Department of Justice filed its landmark antitrust lawsuit against Google, the case finally went to trial yesterday with opening arguments setting the stage for a landmark legal battle. The stakes are very high for Google, and experts say the case could shape the future of online advertising, depending on the outcome. Uh, there's a primer that's linked to on the case on what's actually up for, for grabs here, but quite honestly, it's just, you know, does Google control the digital ad market? Basically, that's the question. Um, the week's, this week's trial is happening parallel to a separate antitrust case the DOJ filed earlier this year that focuses on the open web. The first one focused on search market was filed in 2020 by the Trump administration. Uh, in some ways, these opening arguments could serve as a crash course for anybody trying to learn about the complexities of online advertising. They're not that complex, folks. It's just not that it's not that complex. Um, and for advertisers who want to see the industry through a legal lens. Uh, that is a little more complex in terms of what's going on here. The antitrust stuff always a little more complex than, uh, than other things. So uh, what do you think? I mean, what, any, any thoughts on the opening of the trial and what's going on here? I have a quick take, but I'd love to get yours. I find it hard that, that anything seriously will happen with the amount of money that Google is spending on the Hill. Right. Uh, and they yep. have for a long time. They've got lots of lobbyists, lots of friends. I they just, are not making the same mistake that Microsoft made. That's in the exactly right. I yes. just don't think so. The, um, they, they know uh, how to play the game. Yeah. And they've done really well for a long time. I think the big issue is, I don't want to get your take on this, seems to be that uh, there, there's because they bought access and they paid whatever, four to seven billion dollars and now 10 billion 
for exclusive access to be the search provider on Apple devices. That seems to be the thing because that if you look at the competition for search market, uh, anybody can create a search engine. So that's right. That's not an issue. They're not, they're not inhibiting that competition. It's the fact that, Oh, Apple is the gateway for all these people finding things. And Google bought access to that, like a sponsorship. Is that enough to say it's against antitrust law? I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think so because it's kind of the reverse, right, of what was alleged in the Microsoft case, right? When you looked at the Microsoft case back in the mid 90s, and I know that seems like ancient times now, but the, you know, at one point, the operating system, Windows 95, was, and the browser, basically the whole thing was around the browser, right? So whether or not they could exclude or exclusively default to, not using competitive browsers or competitive apps in the Microsoft OS. And that was sort of the heart of it. I, this is kind of the opposite, where Google has said they're not excluding anything, but what they're doing is they're buying their way into becoming exclusive access through the iPhone and obviously through Android because they own that, but other platforms. And they're sort of using their, you know, and if, and if you buy the DOJ's case, it's sort of like, well, they're using their brute force muscle, basically money, to basically monopolize an entire industry, um, the search advertising. And man, I, I think there's there's a lot of counter arguments here. There's a lot of counter arguments, and I think they'll make those counter arguments, you know, in terms of evolution of AI, certainly the the growth of verticalized search, the growth of, you know, search becoming, you know, much, you know, they'll they'll I'm sure they'll point to Amazon and say, look, you know, here's product searches are happening through Amazon now. Location searches are happening through maps, Apple Maps and Apple, you know, other technologies. You know, you've got vertical search happening through, you know, travel sites. You've got you know all those kinds of things. They're saying basically it's too late, right? I mean, it's too late to punish us for the stuff of five and 10 years ago. You can see where the market is going and we're actually losing. We're actually starting to lose share of that space. And so you can't, you know, it's don't fix the sins of the past that you didn't fix before. And and, and I'm sure Google CEO, who's a very charming guy, will do that in a very, very charming and- Oh yeah, and, he's very good and, in front and, of him. Yeah, okay. so I, 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 I hold little hope that, well, I, I don't know that I'm hoping one way or the other, but um, I think, you know, the general feel is that, that if there was gonna be a judgment here that Google would be broken up, I don't think it will be. No, it's great that, I mean, if you look at search as anything on internet search, you can, it's hard to just say, oh no, it's just the browser experience or just Google.com. I mean, you're right. Yeah. Amazon. I mean, they, I mean, you look, share, they share a product yeah, search. Of course. Yeah. YouTube. You know, they, uh, well, you know, you, I guess that's, uh, they're probably, are they, I guess they're lumping YouTube in with this as well. I think the they do. Yeah. Search engine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I think they do. I mean, and I think the, the, you know, I mean, look, there's, there's certainly no doubt that Google has the vast, 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 vast majority. I mean, a high, you know, I don't even know what it is off the top of my head, but I've got to imagine it's in the 90% range of all searches conducted on the internet. You know, it's, it, it, it's still very high. Um, and it is high because many people default to it on their, you know, and Apple and Android are the two biggest mobile platforms out there. So you're going to get that, right? I mean, you know, Microsoft is just a, you know, a very, 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 very weak second in this and 
you know, things like DuckDuckGo and others, you know, uh, are are just so far down. It's not even funny, but I, you slap know, on the wrist. I think yeah, it'll be a slap I, on the wrist. Uh, yeah, it'll be uh, multiple billions of dollars in penalties. Google yes, will say exactly. Yes, please take 0.1 percent of our cash on hand. You may have it. They will pay the toll, and things will go on as normal. That's, That's right. Exactly. That's right. Happen. And they may have to. Interestingly enough, it may be that they prev- there may be something that prevents them from having exclusive access. I could see them doing something like invalidating the deals with Apple and others to become the default search engine, right? I, th- I think I could see them doing something like that as sort of a, you know. But there which, has to be, I mean, there has to be one. Well, what I would see, what I would see them doing is saying basically you can't make it your default, right? They would say you know you have to give users, in other words, make users choose, right? Make you know you, in other words, when you when you come in and you set up your phone for the first time, make users choose, which is, you know, again, everybody's going to choose Google. Let, let's be honest, but but they'll 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 take away sort of the default if that's I the right way to put Bing. it. I want I want more <laughs> Bing. <laughs> you want more Bing in your life. That's that's that's. I want more yeah. more Chandler in my life. And more more Chandler in your life. All right, there we go. That's that's yeah, good. That's a little friends that's, reference. That's good. Yeah, uh, that's that's that yeah. Know. That's okay, Boomer. All right, there we go. Um, <laughs> Did you read his autobiography? By the way, I've read Matthew parts Perry. of his autobiography. Yes, and he, I listened to it. He's he you know it. it's so funny because uh, okay so so I don't know the, you're either going to see this or not. Uh, and the audience will either see this or not. But I, back in the day, um, we're talking not anymore, certainly, uh, but back in the uh, early 2000s, um, I would often get mistaken for him. I would, I, people would say that I look like him or that I sounded like him. Um, and I actually had somebody come up to me in a, in a movie theater once and ask me for my autograph thinking I was, I was Matthew Perry. No way. Yeah, it's, it's true. I, I don't ever, I've never seen the resemblance, but people told me that. Uh, and, and so it's like, I don't know. Do, do I look like Chandler Bing? So, okay. Do, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> do I sound like Chandler Bing? Um, we might need some uh, graphical help on, on this. For, for yeah, I don't know. Show I don't know. I don't to, know. But anyway, uh, but, the, but, but, but the point being is that, is that I did listen and, or excuse me, read um, uh, part of his autobiography and, yeah, I mean it's not that good. Let's just be honest. It's just yeah, the guy the old, had some troubles. Back in the day when I had a full head of hair, I was mistaken for Aladdin in the animated show. Okay, all right, there you go. I was very happy. I think it's because the eyebrows. There it is. And that's right. before I had a beard. The, so it was it was <laughs> when I was a mere child. Okay. Because I grew a beard. I was like fourteen. Uh, well, that's just weird. Um, <laughs> all right. no, this show is yeah, weird, man. Yeah. What are we talking about here? I don't know. Okay, I don't know. We're we gonna next? okay. We're moving on to our next okay. story here, which is um, <laughs> this is actually really interesting. Um, and thanks to our good friend and friend and family of the show, Buddy Scalera, for sending hey, this buddy. over. Uh, yeah. The headline here. There's a couple of things we'll link to in the show notes for this because it's actually a fascinating story. Amazon has ended. Uh, periodicals program, which you may or may not have even realized existed. Um, but independent publishers are feeling the brunt of this because basically Kindle periodicals was sort of their 
online version of where you went to subscribe to magazines and, and independent magazines at that. So anything that was a magazine or a, a regular and consistent publication on the Kindle, uh, this is what they had. And basically, as The Verge says it um, and opens up and says, I like short stories, I read them and I write them, uh, grew up subscribing to things like the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, Analog and Asimov's. Uh, I used to read Asimov's all the time. It was a great, great magazine. Um, I also understood that any resource that makes it easier for these publications to find and keep readers, like the ability to gather subscribers through Amazon's Kindle Periodicals program, can make all the difference in keeping independent books and their walk on that balancing tightrope balanced until, that is, that resource goes away. And basically, Amazon has announced that the periodicals, the newsstand, uh, will no longer support paid subscriptions. So you can't go there with your, you know, publish on that that platform and get uh, a share of publications. Now, uh, my quick take on this, but I would love to get yours because you're now in this business. You're like, you know, truly in this business. Um, my take on this is that Amazon had to do this at some point because I'm sure the overhead of managing all of those payments and ma managing all of those things was just so hard and, you know, you're talking about micro payments in some cases, you know, so, so, you know, sending checks for, you know, I mean, I, funny enough, royalty checks that I get now from some of the stuff that I did music wise back in the day, you know, I get checks for 58 cents and stuff like that. It's just a cost. It's a huge cost yep. for them. And so by doing this and moving, by the way, they're moving all of this to their on demand program where you can basically, you know, move your stuff if you apply and if you get into it. Um, sort of like, you know, now moving into, you know, basically the online store uh, where you can still have your publication featured, but you're going to have to manage subscriptions on your own. You're going to have to manage all that payment, you know, so you'll get royalties if your stuff gets downloaded, but you're not going to get, you're not going to get uh, the subscription fees as part of what it is you're doing. So I think they had to do this. I mean, this is a business decision clearly uh, to aggregate and cut costs and, and do things, but it's not any less painful. I mean, it's, you know, it's yet another rented land story, but, but it's, yep. you know, I mean, what do you think about this? Well, a number of periodicals are now going out of business because sure. a large portion of their revenue is coming in through this. I totally understand. I mean, you and I talk about this all the time, whether it's Twitter X or Instagram and they have algorithm changes or YouTube, we totally get it. These big private companies, they make decisions yep. on what's important, what's not, what's making money and what's not. And they do this. So Amazon sat down. I, I agree with they said, this is not good business for us. We're going to get out of this business and we're going to leave these 300,000 plus businesses that have these periodicals. Sorry, we can't help you. Here's another option, but we're out of this business now. And it's just weird. The same thing over and over again. We give all this data and all this information over to these big companies and we let them keep it and we never get it back. That's what the crazy thing is. So if somebody... If, if you and I had a magazine and we put it up on the on the Amazon periodicals, we don't know the person subscribing it. We That's don't correct. get that yep. data. And it's the same thing. I talked to an author yesterday about versus taking their book and selling it direct on their own website versus putting it on Amazon. And they're all they're very scared about not putting it on Amazon. And I'm saying you could put it on Amazon for discovery, but don't send your customers to Amazon, make less money and not get that data and know exactly who signed up and what you delivered. So and 
and you get more money to do that. Yep. But it's right. it's just an adjust. We feel like we have to give in to these uh, these big tech companies. What I would like to see, what I feel happening, Robert, and I don't know if you see it on the content marketing side. I feel there's a shift to we now have the technology, we now have the data in our email newsletters and our databases that we've been keeping and our marketing automation that we can sell these things directly and we don't have to go through a Google and Apple uh, and an Amazon to get. Now we're almost at that point. You know, still like, Oh, I can sell like for a musician. It would be great that I, if somebody really liked my music, could I just send them to my website and they could, yes, we can do that now. It's a little bit fumbly. We're almost to that point where it's seamless. We're getting there with books and I, and now what do these periodicals have to do right now? If they want to stay in business, they have to sell direct. So there's this huge movement on selling direct to your fans. And I like that movement, uh, but there's still a lot of trepidation for people yeah. to do that because they're like, oh, that's not the way it's done. Like yeah. I, I, I would like to see, I think now that I'm getting more into the book side, I think you're going to see more like book events that say, you know, how to be profitable uh, as an author without Amazon. Right. Uh, and that's what seems to be seems to be coming. So it's, the, it's just it, another it's, thing of rented land and look, another this, tragedy. This is a, a, a this is a classic business challenge that has existed for since ever. Yeah. Which exactly. is the lack of a marketplace, right? So when you have a viable marketplace to show your wares, um, you the you benefit from all of the other products in the marketplace. In other words, by building a marketplace, and you can call that a mall, you can call that a farmer's market, you can call it an Amazon, you can call it, you know, a Spotify, you can call it, you know, whatever it is, you're basically benefiting from being a centralized place where people go to shop. And so in the old days, for this, we'd call it a newsstand. And one of the things that you would do, that consumers do, is they go to the newsstand and they browse and they look for it. So the question becomes, are you subscribing to the newsstand or are you subscribing to the individual publications? In other words, where, are, where do your loyalties lie as a consumer? And what we have seen, the behavior is, is that a lot of people, their loyalty belongs to the the marketplace, not yeah. the actual m marketer in the marketplace. And a lot of that has been grown out of the digital sort of evolution for the last 23 years, where companies like Microsoft and companies like Amazon and companies like Google and companies like, uh, you know, uh, Spotify and others create an online marketplace and make it really easy for entrepreneurs to show their wares in the marketplace. But then you can't be you can't be surprised when they shut it down when when if people don't come and people don't actually buy things well it, it they kill it they yeah. they or they move it or they you know when the costs you know move when malls died malls died right and so you know, malls may be coming back now it's it, there's there's all kinds of things and and so ultimately you're absolutely right. The entrepreneur, the 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 marketer, the you know the one putting their market their good into the into the marketplace, has to get a centralized place where they are creating customers. That is the heart of any business: creating a customer. And where you create that customer should be your owned sphere of influence. It needs to be your owned land. Yep. Then, where you reach in frequency, that thing great. 
do that on rented land, do that on, you know, buy space and media, create, you know, free stuff that gets distributed all over. Basically, find your place in the market, but own your storefront. You've got to own the place where you create customers. And it's just as simple as that. And so what we're seeing is an evolution of the periodicals market to get into that idea. Um, I think there's huge opportunities here for companies like Lulu, by the way, um, mm-hmm. to get into this space because periodicals are, are very niche, very uh, independent periodicals for sure, is a great niche business for somebody to create a online marketplace that allows you, you know, what was that um, company that, that Spotify acquired where it was basically a podcasting platform where you could own your email database and you own your, um, I forget what anchor was that anchor. Oh, anchor. Well, an- anchor was the, the pot, the distribution. Yeah. It was the distribution arm. Right. But you could own your email. spot, right? It was kind of like a WordPress for podcasting. It was sort of, you owned your own subscribers I and you used owned- anchor. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember. There was a podcast platform that they, I think it was anchor that they did that, but it's kind of like that, right? It's how do you build a platform where people, you know, a, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, a sub stack, if you will, for, uh, the ability to do periodicals. And it, it'll be interesting to see who fills that spot. If anybody it's so when, when I launched the novel and I was selling it through Amazon for basically peanuts, uh, this is in 2019 and 2020, I thought that I had to go through Amazon to do that because to yeah. your point, I thought they were loyal to the player or to Kindle, whatever the case is. And what I learned over a couple of years was you'd have pe- people in like my subscribers of my e-newsletter would come back to me and say, Joe, where can I buy this that helps you the most? Like they yeah. would actually ask me that. Yes. And I think that's what you're surprised. So when you build an, like a content marketing initiative and some loyalty initiative where people uh, want to buy from you, and they want to give your money and, and whatever. They, they don't want to go through Amazon. They don't want to go through these third parties. So that's where I think there's an opportunity now where, yeah, people are loyal to, to big companies like Amazon because they're used to it. But they might be more loyal to you as the creator and, and do some things a little bit differently. And that's how exactly. it starts. So the more exactly. of us that can do these kinds of and get people used to going direct to the creator and you can put packages together. Um, you know, you don't just have to sell a book. You could sell a service like for you on the consulting side, you could sell a book plus an hour of consulting and you could do all sorts of fun things that you can't do on Amazon. Funny so. you should mention that. Oh, you should mention, yes. Mention Are you going to do that with Ooh, your book launch? There may be Ooh. something coming. There may be something Ooh. coming. There may be something coming. <laughs> I like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah I like it. A yeah. Lot. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I'm, I'm be launching a content marketing world, but uh, yeah. And more about that later. But yes, it's, it's, yes. it's, you, it, it might be just exactly what you described. Oh, I like yeah. it. I can't yeah. wait. I'm yeah, going to, yeah. I'm going to buy an hour of consulting. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to buy an hour of consulting and I'm going to yeah. have it during this time that we record and I'm just going to let you do the show. There you go. That, I, that's, <laughs> there you go. That, yes. That's fantastic. Yes. All right. Should we, um, we should, do, we should do, we should pay some, we should pay some bills. Basically some is bills. what we should do. Yes. Uh, let's, um, let's we have a wonderful, wonderful sponsor to talk about. Uh, so yes, you all need to go to streamyard.com slash the tilt. And if you do that, you get a lifetime discount off of your Streamyard. And if those of you that have been following us, listening to us uh, on whatever your audio devices or watching us on our 
brand new fancy YouTube channel at This Old Marketing. We are now using StreamYard. We've been using it for what has it been, Robert? Like, uh, I don't know, a couple, couple of months, yeah. like three or four months now. I yeah, think. Yeah. And what's great about it is, is that we we're spending less time editing. We're spending more time creating and we can distribute our, do, can do our live stream directly to LinkedIn whenever we want to. Uh, it's really easy to take the file and upload it to, to YouTube. Uh, we can distribute it however we want to through our distribution platform. It's just made it so much easier. I can't recommend it enough. Obviously, we're users of it. And um, if you would like to do this with your podcast and have video and audio, if it's audio, great. If it's video, plus it's even better for your distribution options, go to StreamYard.com slash The Tilt. Uh, check it out. Tell them that Robert and Joe sent you. And uh, I don't know. It's I'm, good stuff. I don't know. I like it. I'm it's it's good stuff. It's the I will tell you this, <clears throat> and I mean this, you know, I'm not just because they're a sponsor, but but I mean this. It is it of the of the and I use a lot because I'm a guest on a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Um and guests on a lot of like webinars and stuff. And it's apps for the live aspect of things, for the you know, sort of if you're doing stuff live and if you're doing stuff, you know, sort of in real time. Best one I've seen. Best, 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 best I've seen. You know, in terms of ease of use and features, it's it's just really great, and it's dependable. That's the one thing, right? Is that you know you you don't want to you don't want something crapping out on you in the middle of a in the middle of a recording sure. or a live stream, and and this has been very dependable. Well, and the good thing, and they, it gives you multiple files too. So I can oh, have yeah. just the yeah, file well, that too. of Robert speaking. That's I can right. have a file of me speaking. We can do combinations. So depending on how you do your post editing, it makes it real easy. You just pick and choose what you want. Exactly. And, and exactly. good you just want to go. It's almost, like, it's almost <laughs> like they're a sponsor of the show. We're almost, talking almost, about them like they are sponsoring almost, this old marketing. Almost. All right. Well, let's get to our question, our audience question here. We've got a wonderful audience question uh, coming to us from Robert Riggs. Uh, and um, yeah, he, he, he emailed this in through the website, if I'm not mistaken. Through, yeah, thisoldmarketing.com. There is a place to, to send <laughs> your question. Or are you going to, you know what, Robert, next time you mm. have such a sultry voice, uh, you, you, should, you should call it in. You should call it in and we'll play it. Oh, there you go. I could do the voiceover. Yes. Anyway. So anyways, Robert, Robert Riggs, uh, has been a big fan of the show. We I've met him a couple times in person at the creator economy expo. Mm. If you get a chance, go to truecrimereporter.com and check him out what he's doing. Got a, an excellent documentary on YouTube that you absolutely have. Fantastic. It's so good. If you're into the true crime stuff, I, I watch some of it. I I can't take that stuff because I'm (laughs) I get scared at everything, but he's it's and, great though. It's great. Anyways, and his so and like you said, his voice is amazing. Okay, so so Robert says asking for our philosophy uh on this uh about sharing personal stuff. And Robert says, as an old school or just the facts man reporter, I've been reluctant to do this for fear of looking like I'm bragging or showboating. So but when his wife went to LA for Oscar night, he shared some photos. Um, a personal and they did really well on social. He did the same thing when they were in Dubai and India. Oh, you're traveling all over the place, Robert. Yeah, it's crazy. And and he got some really good engagement um, and he's been reticent to do that. Um, And basically what Robert is saying, please weigh in with your guidance on why content entrepreneurs should do this, meaning share more personal facts and stories about them and the guardrails for not looking so egotistical. Yeah. Um, do you want to, do you want to go first? Do you want to get my take on it? Uh, I can go first. I'm happy to go first. Um, I, you know, what my advice is going to be, you have to figure out where you're going to draw a line. Um, 
because look, the, 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 the first thing is, is that your audience will love that. There's no doubt that your audience is going to love that. They, because they're, again, this goes right to what we were just talking about 10 minutes ago, which is they're subscribing to you. They're subscribing to you as the creator and the work is second, right? So they have, tr there's trust in you, the storyteller, because you're giving them trusted stories. And so getting more of you into the, into the promotion and the ultimate service of your subscribers is only going to do nice things until it doesn't. And so what I mean by that is you've got to figure out where you're going to draw the line from a act from how much personal information you want to make accessible. Because one of the things that I see a lot of content creators regret later on is how much of themselves, how much of their private lives they've made accessible to subscribers and basically the world, right? So it's not necessarily your audience per se, as much as it is your, uh, the, just you're making it accessible to the world. And you know, there's, there's a lot of good that comes with that. And then there's some not so good that comes with that because you've got to, you're going to open yourself up to, you know, critique, you're going to open yourself up to, uh, you know, sort of unkind comments, you're going to un open yourself up to, you know, all sorts of things. And so you just gotta, you gotta make a decision about what part of your life you're going to open up. Um, I've been just as an example, not that I'm nearly like in any sort of, you know, sort of famous uh, camp or anything, but, but I've been pretty circumspect about what parts of my life are open and what parts are not um, and how I talk about it. You see that Joe and I do this all the time. We share very much personal parts of our lives with the audience and, and I do that. But for example, my Facebook and what I talk about there and where I go on vacation and all that kind of stuff kind of isn't for public consumption. And so I don't yep. really talk about it. I just don't talk about it because not only is it irrelevant really to what I do for a living, but it's also not something I necessarily need to take. My, my politics is another a good example of that, right? Where, you know, I mean, it's, it's probably pretty obvious, but I just don't talk about it because it's just not, it's not relevant to my audience being sharing my, my personal story. So I say, once you figure, so, so think about it, be considerate about it and then stick to it. And then, yes, use it because it's a wonderful way to get a more intimate relationship with your audience. Yep. No, that's a that's a great answer. Um, I, for me, the channels that I use have very specific purposes. Exactly. And that's what I would recommend. I think that's what exactly what you're saying. So I share very personal things on about what I'm doing, mostly about where I'm traveling and, and like my nonprofit efforts and those types of things on Facebook. Yep. I talk about those a lot and I don't share hardly anything regarding business. I know some people that do both. I don't, right. I don't share Same a lot here. of business stuff on Same Facebook. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm all business. I post almost every day some thought about for content entrepreneurs, content creators. I don't share a lot of personal on that. The JoePolizzi.com uh, newsletter, which is sort of my random newsletter that goes out to about 10,000 people. That is where, kind of to your point, I shared things like I just, Robert brings this up because I shared my whole trip to Nantucket and what I liked and what I didn't like and whatever. But I do that informally because I know my audience likes information about travel. Yeah. Now I give it my personal spin, but I'm trying to help them give it. So I talk about financial stuff. I talk about travel stuff. Um, I talk about marketing stuff, but I do it from, hey, here's my thinking, Joe Polizzi. And I do it very personal. But as you see for the tilt.com's newsletter, you don't see anything personal about Joe Polizzi in that one, even though I'm involved a little bit into that newsletter. 
So I think, Robert, first of all, have your audience in mind. What are their needs? What are their pain points? If you can insert a little bit of your authenticity, that's a really good thing. And that's where creators have an advantage over marketers and media companies, because most of when you get an email newsletter from a creator, it's from them. That's a big difference than getting it from Joe Polizzi versus The Tilt. Like maybe if you're a Joe Polizzi fan, you're more likely to open the Joe Polizzi. But uh, some sometimes Joe Polizzi fans don't want <laughs> don't want to yeah. don't want to get certain no, information a- from Joe Polizzi. <laughs> like my what I care about politically, like same as same as you. That's not going to help yeah. anybody. Right. Exactly. And and I and I think the other thing that I would note is <clears throat> the line that that I kind of draw where I you know this show is a great example. We share a lot of personal stuff on this show, including our love of football our love of cocktails, our love of, you know, events, our love of traveling, you know, we, we share a lot of personal information here, but they are all centered on the celebration, right, of us, right, and, and sort of, and your audience in many ways wants to hear and see that, right, they want to hear and see this celebration. What they don't want necessarily are, you know, your, I mean, so, so, some of you, I, I 100% I'm so appreciative of this that have uh, there's been audience members out there who have reached out to me and said, "Hey, you sound like you're you know like a little sad, or you sound like you're you know what?" And, and and they're picking up on stuff. There's absolutely right to pick up on those things, but it's not this. There's no focus on that, right? There's no focus that we have on those kinds of things, right? It it is about you know talking about you in the celebration that's helpful for the audience, entertaining for the audience, and ultimately valuable for the audience. And that's, I think that's, that's where you sort of can start to think about where you draw your, your own personal lines in your sandbox. Yeah. I, I know some creators that basically their entire channel is them to your, you made up. Right. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. I, I that's not a bad live. decision. It's just, it's not it's, a bad it's, decision. It's, it's I just know a decision I wouldn't make. Very yeah. successful, but they basically have recorded their entire lives. And in some cases their, their kids have grown up out there. I mean, my, my kids don't, have asked me not to share anything right. on social. And that's been the case for the last six to seven years. I feel really bad before that because I didn't really ask them for permission. And now, you know, they, they don't want that footprint, which is odd, right? They're on social media, but they don't want the social media footprint. I know no, it's, a it's lot a, of kids yeah. that are in that, yeah. in that state. But anyways, but it's yeah. great, great question. Great Robert. question. We appreciate it. Next time, absolutely. Soulmarketing.com. We want, we want to hear you talking. That, we'll, well, that voice, I mean, that oh. he's got, he's his, yeah. So I mean, that voice of his is amazing. I got to yeah. put, I got to put his, his uh, documentary on and then I can fall asleep to it. So <laughs> in a good except way. For the, except for good the subject way. matter. Yeah. In a good way. <laughs> in a good way. All right. It is now time for our rants and rave section very quickly here where we go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like, well, both of our teams dominated uh, in yes. winning in the in a week, or it makes us feel like, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers feels right about now. Um, uh, yeah, well, what are you going to do? I mean, don't you, you know, feel bad for him? I, I, no, I actually don't. I mean, you know, by the I mean, way, Aaron Rodgers uh, tore his ACL. Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the Jets. It was very, very hyped. 
and yeah. now not so hyped. He's out out for the year. I believe. Have you seen? You've seen some of the memes coming out of this, right? You know, I've I've not seen Amy. Uh, at all. There's there's some good stuff about vaccinations and whether oh, a vaccination gosh. would have helped him and stuff like that. So unbelievable. Yeah, and just uh, yeah. Anyway, it's like in the fourth there. play of the the season or something. Third crazy. play. And yeah, third, third play. play. Third play. Yeah. Terrible. There you go. Terrible. Okay. All uh, right. You, you want to go first? Go, yeah, you, you go, go first? first. Yours is quick, I think. Okay, uh, it's it's quick, and I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this. Uh, so I don't. You're not gonna see the, but if you you can see this this basically a Cleveland Browns fan. I gotta I gotta stop this here. There's a Cleveland a, a group of Cleveland. They're celebrating. They're tailgating before the Browns game. Yeah, and they're on the Cuyahoga River. Cuyahoga River runs right through Cleveland. There's a huge tankers that come through that area yeah and so they're having a party and they're having a conversation with a gentleman on the tanker american courage about having a beer and there's a little bit of thing goes and the guy from the tanker said there's no way you can make that throw it's about 50 to 55 yards away and the guy said hey throw me a beer and the challenge accepted and you could see we're showing this on the screen he basically pitches that thing all the way from across the river and he he dimes it directly gets the guy right on the boat they re- it's it's a, it's amazing and they're basically everyone's calling it the best pl- pass in cleveland browns history but what i love about this so it went super viral millions of people watching it because the guy is i mean I, no not many people can throw a beer can uh 50 to 55 yards on the dot on a guy <laughs> on a moving yeah. tanker but that said he threw a beer and the beer is garage beer, I believe, from Columbus, uh, Columbus Brewing. Really good beer, by the way. Really good light beer. And uh, garage beer immediately came out with a T-shirt, and the T-shirt says "Best Pass in Cleveland History." It shows the boat. So I just I like the whole th- the story's fun. If oh, you get sure. a chance to see it, we'll put the video in the, the show. The fact that the boat is called it. American Courage, the name of the boat is American Courage. <laughs> is, I mean, it, it, it's written for the. I mean, it's, it's written, written to be a it's movie. It's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. But I like the fact, if you want to call it newsjacking or whatever, that the beer company got involved, tweeted yeah. it out, really got into the whole storyline behind it and came out with a shirt. And the shirt apparently is selling pretty well. So I just thought that that was a really cool story because – Browns fans don't have a lot to cheer about usually on opening weekend, and we did this time. <laughs> right? So, anyways, it was fun. Very good. All right. And you, very, sir. I have a very quick rave, uh, which is to say, so the Apple uh, big announcement this week was, of course, the new iPhones, but, you know, and everybody's going, eh, meh, eh, eh, meh. iPhone 15, iPhone 14, you know, what's the difference? You know, potato, potato. Um, however, kind of... Eh, I don't know. It, the, the real announcement was their their Apple stance on carbon neutrality, and it's a big deal these days with companies and how they're you know how they're how they're helping the environment and their stance on the environment and all those kinds of things. And there's been lots of controversy around marketing and content and how that's being that how those stories are being told and should they be told and you know is it is it greenwashing you know and all those kinds of things and. What I love so much about what Apple did was they they put together a piece of content, and it's a you can you you'll find it all over social media. It's going a little bit viral uh, today, and 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 I'm sure will over the next few days. Um, it's just a masterclass in how to create a piece of content and a piece of content marketing that's entertaining, as well as valuable, as well as inform informative, as well as promotional. 
it's just it strikes such a wonderful balance they they bring it's a you know it's a very quick it's three minutes i think tim cook is in it there's a bunch of apple executives sitting around a table and basically mother nature makes her appearance and i'm not going to spoil it any more than that because it's just worth a watch and it's just so good uh in terms of how they deliver the information that they're proud of everything they've been doing from a from a uh from a from a carbon neutrality perspective getting all the statistics out but doing so in such a entertaining and fun way it's just you know to say what you will about apple but this piece of content that was put together is just really a masterclass in how to tell that story so i love it from that perspective and just wanted to rave about it i've not watched it i'll have to do that it's good it's really good it's really good and again you can believe them you cannot believe them uh, you know all the things about the actual issue aside although i think they're actually you know putting their money where their mouth is um but the but the 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 piece of content is is just very well done it's just very very well done because they clearly don't take themselves too seriously they're making fun of themselves as they make you know as they, as they make you laugh um, they are the butt of the joke. It, it is, it's, it's, it's just really good. And so just in, in terms of storytelling, it's just really well done. Excellent. Um, okay. My commentary, I guess, is just a data point for all of you out there, um, against something that you probably didn't pay much attention to, but I think might be the biggest indicator yet that content marketing is actually becoming marketing. Um, and that's kind of the theme of my keynote at, uh, at Content Marketing World. Um, and it was the acquisition of CAA. So CAA is the gihugic uh, agency, talent agency in Hollywood. They represent everybody. I mean, if you name the big star, they, they represent them. You know, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Samuel Jackson, I mean, everybody, and, as well as sports stars. By the way, they represent Aaron Rodgers, Dwayne Wade, um, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, they, are, they are truly the you know, 900-pound gorilla when it comes to talent agencies. The way that they made their mark in Hollywood wasn't how big the stars were. Um, the way that they made their mark was in a concept called packaging. And what they did in the 90s and early 2000s was become really good at packaging. What they would do is they would pull talent together and they would actually pitch not just the talent, they would pitch shows, they would pitch series, they would pitch tours of combinations of you know musical acts, they would put together shows and businesses. They even now have a thing called CAA Ventures that is all about launching new businesses. By the way, Quibi was one of those businesses that they that they were had a huge hand in putting together. So it's not that they're perfect, <laughs> certainly, but they're, they're, there's a whole venture firm that is within CAA. By the way, they also have a branded content studio where they're doing content marketing, bringing in their celebrity stars to create content marketing projects for, for brands. So they have their own custom studio. So agencies pay attention. Now they've been acquired by uh, Artemis. Now you don't know Artemis. It's a big uh, investment firm uh, owned by uh, 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 John Henri uh, Francis uh, Pinot, who is a French investor. But you do know their brands, right? You know, you know Gucci. You know Saint Laurent. You know Christie's Auction House. Um, you know uh, Balenciaga. Um, all of these big luxury brands, and so. The interesting thing here is, is that why would they acquire? Why would they acquire CAA? Well, think about it for a second. The combination of access to premium A-level talent in a very challenged market at the moment in terms of how you make money as a, as a premium uh, actor, writer, producer, director, 
and the ability to bring that to luxury brands. By the way, St. Laurent has its own movie studio, produced its own movie that debuted at Cannes Film Festival last year. Uh, Gucci has been huge in doing things with like Harry Styles and, and creating content and, and marketing itself as a media brand. And the ability to put together new businesses, new media businesses. Well, now you have a pretty magical combination of creating premium level content, engaging on building audiences, driving the sales of uh, brands, luxury brands and products and, and, and services. So to me, I look at this and I go, this is, this is perfect. This is exactly what brands should be doing is looking at how do I build the operations of a media company inside my business so that I can package together talent, shows, businesses, and launch these media businesses as a part of a business strategy that is ultimately a marketing strategy and making a differentiated piece to, to do that, to get around the idea of rented land and, and the idea of paid media. And I just, I think it's an important set of data points to start to put together. So the question becomes, who's going to do this in manufacturing? Who's going to do this in services? Who's going to do this in healthcare? Who's going to do this? You know, you've got companies like Cleveland Clinic, Arrow Electronics, others that are doing it, but who's going to really make the big splash here? And I think it's, I think, I think it's 24 is really going to start to see some of these things come together. I think, it's, no, it's a great point. I think, especially with a lot of the valuations coming down to earth. Yes, exactly right. The difference. I think a, yep. a lot of people had these ideas a couple of years ago, but the valuations were through the roof. That's it. And now you're looking as like, oh, you can actually get some of this business done now. So that's a really, really good point. That is it. Excellent. All what right. do you well, have going on this week, sir? Well, I have basically prep. It's all about prep now oh, for we have content marketing. World content marketing up. world is coming up. It we're coming up. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, it's all it's all yeah. It's content marketing world all the time. I'm getting my my keynote ready. I'm getting my classes finalized. I'm getting my little launch that I talked about earlier oh, yeah. uh, ready. So. It's you know I'm busy busy busy. Yeah, the, they say Frosty the What's Snowman. the book? What's the book title? What what's content the... marketing strategy is the book title. Um, That's exciting. Yeah, it's gonna I'm be very excited. It's gonna be. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure you. Are. I am. A, lo a lovely blurb, by the way, written by you, fe is featured on the cover of the of the book. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'll talk a little more about the book as we get closer to launch date, but, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's all coming together. It's all yeah, coming and, together. And I'll be out, of course, I'll be out there. Yeah, I'm, of I'm, course. I have my little speech. Um, my little speech. It is, but <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's a new speech for me. I'm, yeah, I'm it'll be fun. If you're, if you're a marketing person, how to effectively quit your job, which I love it, which I'm sure the, the folks at CMI were happy to have that talk. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited about it because uh, so many entrepreneurs leave and they don't, or they want to be entrepreneurs leave, but they don't do the things up front that you need to do before you leave. Exactly. Very, very important. So there exactly. you go. Awesome. All right. Well, and of course, we'll see all of you uh, in future shows and basically get on over to thisoldmarketing.com, won't you? You know, tell your friends, give us a review, send us audio questions. We love the audio questions, uh, especially if you have dulcet voice like Robert does. Um, and so do that. Won't you get over there? And until we see you next week, everybody, well, just remember, in the meantime, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. <laughs>